This is episode five of B&E Boston Sports Radio. Today is number, uh, November 3rd, 2021. My name is Brennan Kelly, and I'm joined today by Ethan Hurwitz. We had another mic trouble there. I apologize for stopping the uh, segment and going back, but we're going to get right <laughs> back into it. Red Sox Nation unfortunately lost Jerry Remy this weekend, this past weekend. After being a part of the Red Sox organization as a player and a broadcaster, Jerry Remy <laughs> became like pretty much the biggest fan favorite yeah. and one of the greatest announcers in our lifetime. He's won countless awards such as uh, Massachusetts Broadcaster Hall of Fame in 2017. He won Favorite Sports Announcer in Massachusetts in 2004 and countless other awards. And I prepared a short statement about him just so that we could you know, honor his, uh, his time with the Boston Red Sox and the impact that he had on all of us. Jerry Remy was a fan favorite and one of the most well-known and respected men in relation to the Boston Red Sox. Remy brought a level of excitement, knowledge, and humor to his broadcasts. He had an effect on so many and made listening to Red Sox games a pleasure. His impact on the team and the fan base will not be forgotten, and his legacy will live on through Red Sox Nation forever. Rest easy, Remy. I didn't know if uh, you want to add anything to that, Ethan. Um, yeah, I think you hit on pretty pretty much everything. Um, you know, you couldn't really describe the type of announcer he was. He was just one of those easy-go-lucky literally would just talk about random stuff instead of actually talking about the game like um what like i remember his tooth fell out in the middle of it mm-hmm. he spent like half an inning trying to put it back in um you know the the infamous pizza incident the dude in the pats jacket throwing the pizza and uh him i think i think it was against the astros like years ago with um don arcillo and mm-hmm. he just kept mispronouncing every single name <laughs> not even on purpose just on accident yep. and arcillo just kept making fun of him um, but I mean, like he just, it, it's, it, it just, uh, it sucks. You mm-hmm. know, it's, I mean, it, it ugh, this might sound weird, but it, it sucks because, you know, he, he's now gone and you're never going to hear him announce a game, but it also means we have to hear more of Dennis Eckersley in the Red Sox booth and mm-hmm. he's, I, I can't stand him. Yep. His impact, uh, on the fan base. I mean, in my entire lifetime, he's been working at Nesson since 1988 and from 2001 to 2015, he him and Don Orsillo are heading up the, the Boston Red Sox broadcast. So 
just having that, you know, figure for all the games, whether it's in the summer break or just mm-hmm. any of the postseasons. He was part of the, the team and the success we've had in the 2000s and the 2010s. And he's one of those guys that we'll talk about for a long time. And I'm sure that when, you know, the highlights are talked about in the future of the, you know, the past Boston Red Sox success, you'll be like, that's Jerry Remy, you know, what a legend. And uh, he won't be forgotten. I would not be surprised if they do some kind of tribute to him, either in one of the broadcast booths or somewhere oh, at Fenway. Yeah, they're so. totally going to do something on, like, the first day of, of at least their first home game next season. Or exactly. Put up, like, a little memorial in the mm-hmm. press box. I don't I don't think they would retire number two for him, but no, they definitely will. He wasn't, like, that good as a player. I think he had one all-star appearance, which is his first season I don't season even know if Boston. he came with the Red Sox. I think it was I know he played with the Angels, too. Yeah, I think, I think it was his first season if I, I read he, I know he had, like, seven career home runs, mm-hmm. and... Um, no, especially because Bogarts is still weighing that number. They're not going to... Yeah. Because, like, Bogarts is making a case that he could have number two retired, yeah, right? exactly. Like, there was... It's a difference when they were about to retire Wade Boggs as number 26 and Brock Holt was wearing it and mm-hmm. they're like hey Brock can you change from 26 to a different number because Brock is not going to retire 26 no um but the fact that you have a player that's on the field better than Jerry Remy I don't think there's a need for that but mm-hmm. I think like what a lot of teams do is like they'll like what the Celtics did right they re- they retired like Losky mm-hmm. like they they could put like a little Remy thing in the I'm the sure they'll, the they'll honor him in some way yeah, yeah there's gonna be something and his contribution as a player is definitely overshadowed by his his contribution in the broadcast booth, and yep. it's something that you know I'm sure they'll they'll put out some of his top you know highlights as an announcer and all that. And seeing him throw out the first pitch during the playoff game a couple of weeks ago was definitely amazing to see. And um, it was a nice way for him to you know kind of say his goodbyes to the fans yep. and being able to you know do that in front of a packed crowd, especially with the uh, circumstances we've been in with. Uh, know COVID and all that so that's been great Jerry Remy rest easy man you your contribution to the team the fan base will never be forgotten you you know you're the greatest and uh, we'll see you soon so I'm gonna go to a quick break and then we're gonna come back and hit on the rest of our topics thanks for staying with us today
that was Forever by the Dropkick Murphys. I thought that song fit well with uh, everything we just talked about with Jerry Remy. We're going to move into a more positive subject. Following a 27-24 win over a strong Los Angeles Chargers team, the Patriots are back at 500. Ethan, some pros and cons from the game. Pros and cons from the game because, you know, I'm pretty good at that. Some, uh, some pros that I had were the former Chargers, Hunter Henry, uh, Adrian Phillips, who we will hit on a little bit later on. Um, you know, they had pretty good games. Hunter Henry didn't get in the end zone, but he had pretty nice catch going across the field. Um, ball control, other than Kendrick Bourne's fumble. Um, you know, Mack didn't throw an interception. No running back fumbled the ball. Um, they took good care of the ball, especially on that last drive, um, which ate up a ridiculous amount of, of clock time that kept Justin Herbert and that explosive offense off the field. Smart uh, football at the end. Very right? smart football. Very like right. You were going towards the end, the at about the the sideline, and usually you just want to step out and avoid the hit, but they would just fall to the ground and keep the keep the clock running. Exactly. Um, Nick Folk again, perfect. Didn't miss. Mm-hmm. Dude, dude's a stud. Dude should be an All Pro, but he's not going to get it because they give it to Justin Tucker every year. Uh, and then Damian Harris, another rushing touchdown. Um, right now he's at. 517 yards, which might be a career high already. Um, and he's sixth in the NFL in rushing yards with six touchdowns. So he's definitely going to hit double digits. Let's see if he hits 1,000 yards. Uh, some cons that I had was um, Mac Jones. I mean, it was a con compared to the, the last few games that he had played. He struggled a lot in terms of his accuracy and completion. He started off like six for nine. And then finish that half like two for fifteen, which is brutal. It seemed like he wasn't on the same page with anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I gave him a con. I like I put him under the cons. Um, but overall, it wasn't a bad day per yeah. se. Um, like I, I mentioned, the no Hunter Henry touchdown that broke his streak of four in a row, he, yeah. which I think is second most by a Patriot. Still got or a game ball a, though. At least a Patriot tight end. He did get a game ball. I'll check um, his hand on those out. Yeah, time. Justin Heron. Um, yeah, we'll with get that, into that that holding, um, mm-hmm. which wiped away what would have been would have been a huge touchdown by Damian Harris, exactly, uh, yeah. and then some funky play calling in the the red zone, which we can hit on later on. But it's like third and fourth down against the league's worst run defense, and you decide to keep throwing the ball, especially like a fade with Myers. Like it just seemed like they were being They're forcing it. They right. were they were trying to be way too cute with trying to get Myers his first touchdown. It just it didn't make sense whatsoever. I feel that. They, they they were forcing it on that yeah. on that instance, but I, I agree with those pros and cons. I definitely think that the team is starting to trend in mm-hmm. the right direction. They're finding, like Devin McCourty said in his press earlier this week, they're finding their niche, mm-hmm. which is like a, a good way to put it. They're finding like the the type of football that they need to play to win games, and they have some like a fairly easy easier schedule. Um, you got you have Carolina, you got Cleveland, you got I'm missing a game. You got Carolina, you got Cleveland. I know you have Tennessee coming up without Derrick Henry. Without we'll Derrick Henry, which we'll bit. we'll get on in a little bit. Um, I feel like I'm missing a game because you got Carolina next week. Those might just be those three. Maybe the um, Bills coming up at some point. Oh, you got Atlanta on Thursday oh, yeah. night. So you're gonna get Atlanta on a short week. Um, who knows if Calvin Ridley will be there? Um, you know, with his personal issues. Um, so I mean, they can easily go four and zero in the schedule. And I tweeted out today that um, by the end of this week, they could be the fifth seed in the mm-hmm. AFC 
if it just like they just got to keep winning and so they're back at 500 and it, it's got to feel good for them i i agree that um you know moving forward it, it's time to capitalize mm-hmm. on these these games going into chargers week or panthers week we'll get that we'll get into but um there was no moves made at the trade deadline, so this team that we have, this roster that we've constructed, this is it. Yep. Like, unless we bring in any free agents, barring but, some, you know, waiver movement exactly, cuts, but, injuries. Um, but this is the main core of guys. You're not bringing in anyone special, and it, it's it's a it's a good thing for the players to know that mm-hmm. they have tr- the coaches have trust and in, in you know the roster they have, and part of it might be they don't want to give up draft capital. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're move. they're not very loaded in terms of like multiple seconds, multiple thirds. They have like multiple like fifths but that's not really not going to land you like an Odell mm-hmm. Beckham type player so I, I feel like they just want to stay pat mm-hmm. and then just play the season how it is and and maybe if they want to explore a trade later in the offseason they can do that exactly yeah but um having this roster moving forward I, I'm, I'm comfortable with it I'm not going to say I'm ecstatic because obviously there's improvement that can yeah. be made in the offseason but moving forward if they're able to overachieve <clears throat> with you know what they have now then that's completely fine uh, I want to get into the run game. You said Damian Harris was a pro, yep. and he's continuing to trend in the right direction. Having uh, those those runs called back was definitely frustrating, and you could see it. They were showing him. They, yeah. You could see it, the emotions on his face. Because I believe there, it, it wasn't. It might not have been back to back, but he did have two like calls that he was like, "Dang!" Like I yeah. had like yeah. I was like he I was, was going bursting like, through the hole, and yeah. he had a good chunk of yardage there. And it's definitely frustrating because those are the type of plays that win you football games. Like we mm-hmm. we fortunately came up on top, giving up like a late kind of crappy touchdown in the end zone there. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name Jalen Mills, Jill getting, Mills mossed. getting mossed. Yeah, big time. The uh, the secondary is kind of a concern in my eyes. Not not the worst part of the team, obviously, but there are times where I I'm worried that they're going to be able to get a stop when they need to. Yeah. The front seven I'm comfortable with, Barmore, Lawrence Guy, uh, obviously Judon. They have Kyle Van Noy. Hightowers looked all right. Mm-hmm. Bring back Jimmy Collins. It's the, sec- the secondary isn't awful, but we lose Jonathan. This is not very deep. Yeah, you lose Jonathan Jones, Miles Bryant, who hasn't really played a full season mm-hmm. as a, a starting NFL secondary. Um, he gets put in that big role. And I'm not saying they can't succeed, but it, it's the, that's the part of the team that makes me a little nervous moving forward. Um, but I think it'll be a good test to see if they can get the job done. Yep. So I think that moving forward, they just need everyone on the team needs to keep getting involved. Like you said, no Hunter Henry touchdown, but he was out there. Right, like, they're yeah. getting him involved. You don't need you don't need all the the statistics to to keep going your way. Like Nikhil Harry, when they're giving him the ball, he's making his plays. Right, it'll only, it, it might only be for one or two plays, but. It, he's not making an absolute fool of himself, and he's you know jumping over defenders and making the catch. So, for me at least, it's fine if he you know doesn't put up the stats as a first rounder, like if he doesn't have like a hundred catches, seven hundred yards, eight touchdowns. But if he can be that quality receiver that can go downfield and make the aggressive catch, even if that's only once or twice a game, it's it's still going to help you win football games. Mm. And like we said, the trade that de- trade deadline has passed, so Nikhil Harry is is here to stay. Yeah. And if he can get, like you said, one or two catches a game and start to just build that confidence, mm-hmm. he could be one of those go up and get it type of guys that we don't really have. I mm-hmm. feel like, and 
we obviously have the guys that can go out and catch a pass, but if we can have a guy that can, you know, 50-50 ball, yeah. that would completely change just, like, the red zone offense or, like, if we need, like, a deep threat. You exactly. Know? Like, when you go back to the Jacoby Myers play when they started running that fade, like, if you just keep building with Nikhil Harry, like, in practice or get him a few reps in the games, like, he can be your guy that in, like, a third and short on the, red, on, on the goal line, a fourth and short where you need a touchdown, you just throw up a fade to him. Like he, he's a big guy, he can out muscle mm-hmm. the corner. I'm not saying he's like Jerry Rice or whatever, but he's he he can make that catch. We've seen him do it before. Mm-hmm. So if you just build on that, he doesn't need to be your number one receiver. He doesn't need to be your two, three, or four receiver. But mm-hmm. he can, like, like Jacoby, like Devin McCourty said, they're finding their niche. He can be that fifth, sixth guy that can just, you know, he, he makes plays when he's on the field. And he's contributed quite a, a number of bit in in the run game, blocking wise. Uh, he struggled a bit in the off season or the preseason, mm-hmm. um, but he's looked better in season. So maybe they just have him as like a blocking receiver. Yeah. So I mean, he's a bigger guy. So I'm not going to complain about how they use him. It's just you know, it's at this point, it's do you find more worth keeping him for one catch a game, or do you find more worth for like a fifth round pick later on? Yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I think obviously where he was taken in that draft has yeah. such an impact on how he's viewed. Especially, and I'm just sorry to interrupt, but it, the fact that he was taking the first round isn't as bad as the fact that you've passed on so many good receivers too, right? Like if he was the best receiver in that, like if that receiver class was so bad and he was the best receiver, you're like, fine, right? Like there's no, there was no other good receivers that you could have taken. Yeah. But hindsight's always 20-20. You passed on DK Metcalf, A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Terry McLaurin, all those guys, Andy Isabella, Hunter Renfro, all those guys you passed on, and looking back, you're like, well, you know, you could have had A.J. Brown. You could have had D.K. Metcalf, but instead you're at Nikhil Harry. So it's you're stuck comparing Nikhil Harry to the rest of those guys. And how successful they've been. And exactly. Like, for all you know, like, you could have taken A.J. Brown at 32, and he might not have been as successful, and we're doing the same thing. It's just drafting NFL players is hard. And, I mean, there's a lot of work that goes into it. I'm never going to be involved in i'm never going to be involved in that as much as i'd love to i'd never be involved in that it's hard but to it's it's like every team hits and every team misses it's just we missed on a first round pick it's it happens it's just it just happens a lot with patriots and the wide receivers it does it's wide receivers bill belichick struggles to draft wide receivers but i mean he has ha- he's been able to get receivers whether it's free agency undrafted free agency you know we got edelman in the seventh round Troy Brown in the seventh round, Wes Welker via trade, Randy Moss via trade, Danny Amendola in free agency, Hogan in free agency, Mitchell in like the fourth round. So it's, you're, yeah. it's, it's so you're able to get receivers. It's yeah. just the ones that you spend the most draft capital on haven't been able to pan out. Exactly. And it's unfortunate because, you know, he, he has it on him. And we're sorry that we got into this big Nikhil debate, but like Nikhil is such a player that like, you know, who knows what could have happened? Because yeah. you know, you could have like if you think about it, when he joined the team, you know, Brady was still here, and there's like all these reports that Brady never really trusts like mm-hmm. young receivers. You know, he has to build that connection with them. But you can't look at like one, you know, missed draft pick and just you know blame uh, Bill Belichick for forever because he's found gems and he's turned guys into these like superstars right. that weren't weren't supposed to. So it's all right. It's it's one guy, but like I said, moving forward, he'll be around. He requested the trade. You know. I believe it was before the preseason, right? Or like during training camp? During the summer. I yeah. remember it was, it had to be before the preseason. Because so. there's no way he's going to request in the middle of the preseason when he's trying to like make the team. Exactly. So 
he'll be around. Like I said, they're not make, they're not going to be able to make any big you know splash trades at this point yeah. or anything. So moving forward into the Panthers week, it's very exciting just because they're sitting at four and four. Mm-hmm. Another team that they kind of started in the opposite. Yeah, you way don't that really know how good they are. They started off really well, and now they're they're fizzling out playing very bad yeah and it's kind of the opposite of what the Pats exactly have, which is interesting to see because we're both at this point where they're like on the the downhill and mm-hmm. we're hopefully on the uphill yeah so it'll be a good game facing off against former you know star cornerback defensive player of the year Stefan Gilmore who yep. will be probably shadowing Myers maybe? my guess would be Myers just based off of like on the depth chart but I mean it also could be like they could cover Aguilar because mm-hmm. they use Aguilar as like the deep guy to take off the safety. I don't know if they're going to want to do that. Um, I don't know if they're going to have Gilmore on one of the tight ends because if they use Gilmore on the receivers, they're probably going to play a lot more running game, throw to Jonu Smith and Hunter Henry. So I don't know if they want to cover the tight ends with Gilmore and force them to feed the ball to Kendrick Bourne 15 times. Mm-hmm. So, and I mean, I, my guess would be Myers. Um, I... I yeah. I, I don't you know, can. though. He, I, I can't answer that question until yeah. I start watching the game. And I believe the Panthers went out and got former first-round pick C.J. Henderson. Is that, the, is that his name? He's from Jacksonville? Yes. I, I'm not sure if he's fully healthy, but he should be and on then, the team. I know. And J. then J.C. Horn? J.C. Horn I know is hurt. Okay, I know J.C. Yes. Horn is hurt, and that's why they got C.J. Henderson. And I know they have A.J. Boye. Mm-hmm. So. so, I mean, they have a good cornerback yeah. room, but you know the rest of their defense is, I mean, it's all right. Yeah. They have a good uh, Jeremy Chin and yeah. uh, Brian Burns. Like they have a good secondary. Garrett it's Brown. just they have some they have some big names. Yeah, some young. You know, I wonder how Max going to react to going against Gilmore for the first time. That will that, be exciting. Yeah, I know they didn't really get a chance to, you know, go at it during mm-hmm. training camp because Gilmore was you know on his own most of yeah. the time. And uh, I think it'll be a good test for for Mac just moving into this week, knowing the significance. It's we always say this, but. It, it's not necessarily a must-win type of game, but it would be nice to get it moving on and keep building that momentum. Yeah, something I something I usually say about must-win games is I'm like, it's not a must-win game, but it's going to be a whole lot better if you win than if you lose. Um, I guess I guess that's the case in every, any game. But, you know, if you lose, then you've just put yourself in a hole where, you know, the Chiefs are now ahead of you. I think the Chargers have like a game and a half ahead of you. A lot of the wildcard teams that are fighting for those five, six, seven spots in the AFC have now caught up to you. Whereas if you win, you're above 500 and now those teams are chasing you. So now you control your own destiny. And I feel like once you lose, once you fall behind and then you've got to start relying on other teams, it's you just it's not good. So it's it's one of those games where it's. It's not a must-win game because it's not do or die, but you gotta win if you want. Like you gotta show out against the teams that you're supposed to beat. And in, in, in a game like this can be such a, a boost to the morale or a blow to the morale moving forward. Especially with, uh, you know, we beat the Jets, we beat the the top seed, like strong strong Chargers team. You know, yep. they, they get this momentum, go in, take care of business against the Panthers. Then I believe it's the next game against the Browns. Is that correct? Mm. Should be, I think. Uh, yeah, we got Browns and then Atlanta. So, if we can get a win this week, which I, I have confidence that they will, especially with uh, Sam Darnold hurt or might possibly be out for the game. I know he got. Did he leave? He left the Panthers game. Early I think he only left for a snap, but he got crunched. So we'll see how his, uh, we'll see his how status is. is moving in. But um, moving past, we'll go. I'll go a little bit of a preview for the week ahead after the. Uh, after the Panthers, the Browns are having some drama with uh, 
inside the organization. Yeah. You know, people aren't really a big fan of Baker and like his, you know, whatever. But we'll get into that next week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think for just just for the Pats to continue moving forward in the right direction, Mac keeps developing. Yeah. He didn't have the most amazing game against the Chargers, but he was able to come out on top. Right. I would rather have him perform like that and win than throw up like 300 yards and lose. Mm. Is there anything else you wanted to hit on for the Pats before we went to it? Probably Adrian Phillips. Yeah. Adrian Phillips had a fantastic game, probably one of his best games mm-hmm. uh, as a Patriot. Um, he's already, he, I, he spent like four or five years in, in with the Chargers organization and had five career picks, and he spent a year and a half with the Patriots and already has five picks. Um, touchdown, first defensive touchdown of the year for the Pats. Very exciting to watch. Very exciting, you know, game winner basically. Pretty much. Um, so I mean, he had. I gave him my my player of the game. Um, you know, it's he's one of those guys that he was covering Eckler for a lot. He can cover those receiving backs that can also just run the ball. He can play in the box. He can play out, and that's probably gonna be important when it comes down to this week when you have to go against Christian McCaffrey. Um, especially if you have P.J. Walker going. Um, he's probably going to want to rely on... He's not going to want to throw the ball down 60, 60 yards or 60 times. Um, so if he's probably going to find a lot of giving it to Chris McCaffrey, throwing it to Chris McCaffrey in the flats with those angle routes that are unstoppable in Madden. Um, you know, those wheel oh, yeah. routes. Oh, yeah. Um, so he can, you know, cover Chris McCaffrey um, and play in and out of the box. And I think Kyle Duggar's like a bigger version of him. So if you got two guys that can sort of like shadow the run game, it he should be able to have like a a, yeah. a, a build of, of how well he's playing. And he got AFC Defensive Player of the Week um, for his performance last week. So Very I think exciting. he was the first Patriots player, or at least the first Patriots DB to get it since 2010. Wow. It's a great stat to uh, to include. But yeah, he's like you said, he, he was probably the most impactful player. Yeah in the game last last week against the Chargers. And like I said, the secondary is a little shaky right now, but we do have a strong mix of, of safeties. And having, like you said, Phillips, Duggar, you know, and then obviously Devin McCourty, who mm-hmm. has that veteran presence. Having that versatility in the secondary, especially in that aspect, is going to help us out moving forward, and they're going to have their work cut out for him. McCaffrey is coming off injury, so maybe he won't be at you know 100%. Yeah. So. I don't want to hope for him to like not be going crazy, but like I, I hope for him not. not yeah, you never crazy. want to wish against injury, but maybe he's like not a hundred percent in which they either don't play him or they don't use him as much, or he just yeah. isn't what he usually is to you know help the Patriots. But of course, you don't want to you don't want to wish wish injury on someone or derail their career. Mm-hmm. But um, it's very exciting having the Patriots start to to look like the team that we're hoping that they'll that they'll be. Um, Starting off the season, they've they've had close games, and it's starting to look like those games that they could have won. Like people never believed it. Oh, the, the Patriots, you know, aren't whatever. But they're starting to look like uh, a team that can upset these, not even upset, but compete with uh, these high level teams and and really make a name for themselves in the AFC. Especially with how the the standings are this year, it's very interesting to look at the possibility of the Patriots, like you said, moving into. The, the five seed um, yeah and starting to become not a powerhouse but a team that can make a name for himself on first take the other day Stephen A. Smith doesn't believe the Patriots have it yet and one of the other analysts I don't know his name whatever he was fully sold on it and as a Pats fan 
I'm not completely sold on the team's chances of making the playoffs yet. And even if they do as a wild card, you know what I mean? Like, I, I need to see more mm-hmm. before I can right. make that they, They've won four games, and three of those have come against the Jets twice and the Texans. Yeah. Um, so when you end up playing the Bills twice, when you're going to end up playing the Colts, the Titans, that's when you're really going to find out your team. Like, you can say, oh, well, they were one play away from beating the Cowboys. You were a field goal away from beating the Buccaneers. They still lost. Yeah. So they didn't make enough plays to win those games. So... You know, when when you face those good teams and you can string together wins, like great, you beat the Chargers, now you beat the Titans, now you can beat the Browns, now you can beat the Bills. Mm-hmm. Then that's when you're going to start getting sold. That's when we can start to become right when you're like, okay, this team is actually for real. But now they're they're still at 500. Like you can still finish pretty bad, um, you know. But they still they they're now have an easier part of the schedule in which Mac is settled in. They can win a lot more games. You still got games against. The, the Jaguars and the Dolphins to finish. So if you need like two games to, to like let's say you're week 15 or how many weeks are there? 17, 18? You're week 16 and you're like, oh, well, you got to win out or else you don't make the playoffs and you play Jacksonville and Miami. Like hopefully you're in a position where that doesn't happen, but you have an easier back end of the schedule where you can be able to be sold on the team more than you have been on the first. Exactly. And it's it's one win against a good team, and as yeah. much as we want to be like so excited moving forward, you know, show us some more. And like you said it perfectly, moving forward, start build that momentum, get those wins. Then a couple of weeks, probably after Thanksgiving break, after Christmas, you know, before Christmas break, we'll start to be like, okay, this team's got potential. They can go, you know, some do some do some damage in the uh, the playoffs. I wanted to ask you if you were going to pick a player or just a side of the you know offense defense for this yeah. upcoming game against the Panthers, who do you think would who do you think is going to contribute the most to getting this win, or you know pushing us in the right direction? Yeah. Um, offense, I'd probably say it's tough just because you is. don't know it's the scheme they're yeah, going to run exactly. or if they're going to be a pass heavy. I'd probably you know. say I want to say. As much as it pains me to say, I want to say Brandon Bolden. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but he can. He's like your receiving back now. He's your yeah. James White, and I've been trashing on Brandon Bolden for quite a number of times. And me and him have had a number of conversations. Um, and he's like, he's he's a very lovely guy. Like he, he's a great guy, but it's just it's it. I wonder why he gets as much playing time as he does. Um, but I think you know he's gonna have the ability to play in the passing game. He can run the ball. Eh. But um, you know he he's he's a change of pace from Damian Harris. So if the 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 Bills the Bills the Panthers um front seven tries to key in on that, maybe you throw in Bolden and you throw him out wide and he can catch a pass. So I mean, I'm not going to say he's at the best game, but I'm going to say he's probably like an X factor type player yep. where you can rely on him. Um, you know, sort of like a Rex Burkhead, um, where you can get him out in the passing game, give him the ball in, in short down situations, um, to sort of just confuse the the defense to try to take the the ball away from the secondary um and just give them like their short passes and on the defense probably lawrence guy um you know the panthers offensive line isn't great um you know he had a sack last game he started off the season pretty slow but he's slowly been ramping it up to like the pace that we've seen him in the years past um you know it's everyone focuses on judon and uche and van noy and hightower and 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 Devon Godchow and all those players, but Lawrence Guy has still been here. He's a, he's been a team captain. He's been a Pro Bowler. So if he can just continue to get that, and again, if they're like, oh, well, should we cover Barmore? Should we cover Judon? Should we double team Judon? Should we cover 
Uche yeah. or Van Noy or Collins coming off the edge, well, you still got Lawrence Guy right in the middle of the field. Um, so I th- my guess would be, I know they're sort of out of the box, but I'd say Bolden and Lawrence Guy. Those are good picks. I'm going to go for the obvious one for the defense. Yeah. Panthers have DJ Moore, and I know the quarterback situation right now, if it's going to be Sam Darnold, and he's a little shaky, or if it's going to be PJ, like you said. I think J.C. Jackson and maybe even Jalen Mills, whoever is covering DJ Moore is going to have yeah. to be lights out. He's he's their number one option. Like I know they have some, they're going to have McCaffrey back, and they might be able to go to like maybe Robbie Anderson or like yeah. any of the other guys they have down there. But like he's the true number one down there, so... I think whoever's on him is going to have to just be like lights out, and especially coming off a, off a week where the the cornerbacks the look a little looked a little shaky. It's going to be a, a good test. And then for offense, I don't have anyone particular. I just think the the tight ends need to need to get involved. Yep. Either either one of them would be fine with me. Just like you said, they're going to be they're going to be shadowing the the wide receivers most of the game. Jacoby Bourne, Aguilar, maybe Nikhil, any of those guys. So. If we can get them open, like over the middle, or a little like fake screen, or some kind of play where the, the tight ends are involved, I think that'll be the best, the best case scenario to get some easy yardage and then, you know, keep the run game going strong. And I, I hope the offensive line holds up. I like the combination we have right now with, uh, you know, Karras playing left guard, uh, Shaq Mason's been good, Owenu at right tackle's been strong. I think. The, you know, the offensive line starting to look better. I know we have a couple penalties with Wynn and Haran, but there's not much you can do with that. It's just part of the game. So yep. I think moving forward, as long as the team starts to fire on all cylinders and the guys that we said, you know, can hopefully have a good game, then it'll be a uh, it'll be quite the matchup down there in Carolina. So I'm going to go to a quick break. We're going to come back and hit the Celtics. And uh, man, oh man, do we have a lot to talk about for the Celtics? Yeah. <laughs> We'll be back in a minute. This is B&E Boston Sports Radio.
That was Someday by The Strokes. Pretty upbeat song for this week. The Boston Celtics are, are not upbeat. Not are at all. not on beat this week. <laughs> no. After a tough collapse against the Chicago Bulls the other night, a game that I was at and I will get into. The Boston Celtics sit at two and five on the season, sitting at twelfth in the Eastern Conference, which to me is just pretty unacceptable for the amount of talent we have on this roster and the way that we went out and constructed this offense and this defense for this upcoming NBA season. Sitting at twelve in my mind, is not acceptable. It's early in the season, so I'm not freaking out on the team yet. I'm sure they're going to you know, start to resolve some of the problems we're going to discuss today. But going into a game against... Tonight, they're playing the Magic. So that'll hopefully be a good momentum pusher. Momentum, momentum pusher. But tomorrow night, they go into quite the battle against the top-seeded Miami Heat with newly acquired point guard Kyle Lowry. Jimmy Butler, Tyler Harrow starting to play like he did in the bubble again, showing that he's not a fluke, and then bam out of bio. So the Celtics are going to have their you know, their their test in the next coming next couple days. But I wanted to get into the the loss against the Bulls. I was at the game and I have some thoughts I wanted to share. After scoring 103 points through the first three quarters, somehow they only scored 11. Yeah. In the fourth. Yeah. Now I don't good. know how you do that as a as a team. From what I saw at the game, they could not get a stop on defense when they needed to, and they started making these offensive you know, decisions that I don't 100% agree with. So from my point of view at the game, they looked like lights out for the first three quarters. Like Every shot was a three-pointer. Every shot was going in. Yep. There was an environment was great. It felt good to be back. And then I don't, like, I don't even know how to explain it. They just stopped scoring. They just and decided to stop playing. Now... I'll give credit to DeMar DeRozan, who had 30-plus points, looked like, you know, prime Toronto or Spurs, whatever you want to say, whatever team he was better on, in your opinion. Probably Toronto. But um, he looked great, and I don't know if that's something to do with he just, you know, I was having one of those nights. But um, the Bulls, I'm not discrediting the Bulls as an organization. They went out and they got some key free agent pieces. They traded for Vucevic. Love me some some Lonzo. The team looks good. The Bulls are going to be a contender. The Bulls are a good team. And it's it's nice to have that Celtics Bulls, you know, mm-hmm. old school type yeah. of rivalry back from you know the Larry Legend and Michael Jordan, you know, yep. type of days. But um, it's a little it's a little upsetting that the team is sitting at a you know two and five record right now. Yeah, they bring back Al Horford, who's a veteran. Al Horford's looked great, and I can't say anything negative about him. Dennis Schroeder, who we got for a bargain after allegedly turning down a big contract yeah. for the Lakers. He played strong. He's like a pest on defense in a good way. But it's Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that I really want to get into right now. The two of them, they're they're the main men of this team. And and at times I I don't agree with the way they use them. I find that they're not really on at the same time. It's like an interesting perspective to look at how you can have two superstars and they can't. Like you know what I mean? They right. can't be going at the same time, and when they do get going, they win like significantly. Yeah. I don't know if if you've noticed that, but as a as an organization that's building around two superstars like that, how can you like how can they not be efficient every night? My my big my big thing I wanted to talk about today is they they go to Jason Tatum in the 
for the big moments. And half the time he doesn't come through. And I only have a problem when they do that is when Jalen Brown is, is has the hot hand. Mm-hmm. And they decide, Jason Tatum's the man. We're going to go to Jason Tatum. And then half the, half the time he hits the shot. So I'm not going to say stop going to Jason Tatum because you know you know what Jason Tatum's capable of. Yeah. It's, what I want to complain about is that they take the ball from Jalen, right? And Marcus Smart made a comment about this. I'm sure you saw his, his, regard, his remarks in, in regards to the team. He said something in, about how the opposition, they know they're going to Jason Taylor and Jalen Brown in those final moments so that they, so the other team just ends up guarding those guys. And, like, you have to have, like, a, you have to have another option like that. It's like with the Pats, like, if they only threw to Hunter Henry in the end zone, who are they going to keep, who are they going to go cover? Right. Hunter Henry. Yeah. So, like, the way I look at it, you sh- we should not be forcing the ball to Jason Tatum for the last shot every time, and I'll give it. Th- I'll, I'll say the same situation with Jalen Brown. But recently, Jalen Brown's been the best guy in the team, and Jaylen, Jason Tatum has been kind of having a down year at the start of the season. Yeah. So, if I was the coach, and I know that they just brought in a whole new coaching staff, and that the team's, I'm sure, is still getting you know used to the adjustments in this in the, the organization, but. I feel that they gotta just whoever's having the hot hand that night, just keep going with them. Like you, sh- you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like you shouldn't be forcing Jason Tatum to be the man. Yep. Or, and if Jalen Brown's on, go to J- Jalen Brown as much as you can. And uh, I don't know if it's gonna cause problems within the team, but I, I keep, I keep watching Jalen Brown like stand there at the ends. Yeah. Like just doesn't like he just like he's he, just chilling. Yeah, he's just chilling. That's a good way to like put at like put the situation into perspective but like how can you as a like a coach be like no nah, yeah that's fine let me take the ball away from my player that's having like yeah the, the best a, season so far yeah I he's having a player. he's having the best season on the team he's also playing the best most games how can i be like all right here's the play go to jason tatum yeah like i understand that's nothing against jason tatum it's just you got to feed the hot hands it's it's frustrating as as a fan to watch because you're like okay like Jalen Brown's on. Yeah. Like, why is he not doing this? But I, I agree with Smart's comment. I'm I'm hyping up Jalen Brown right now, but I feel like he's kind of getting like pushed to the side when it comes to closing out games and stuff. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about this controversy that the media has created between the two of them. Have you know what I mean? They can't play together. Yeah. If this continues to be the way that they draw up the plays, I don't think Jalen Brown's going to want to be like on this team anymore, yeah. right? And like then you got to start to see like. I don't want to have to pick between the two of them because, like, if they work together and they can, like, feed off, like, you know what I mean, bounce off yeah. each other, that's unstoppable for the next yeah. five, ten years. So I, I don't know if you wanted to add anything yeah, in regards so, um, to that. Jeff Clark, who writes for CelticsBlog.com, um, said straight up in his article today, this team is bad. Um, and then there's a, a paragraph that stood out to me. There is, like, uh, where is it? Quote, if you, had, if you had told me in preseason that Tatum and Brown would be averaging over 25 points per game, Horford and Rob Williams are contributing, and Grant Williams is having a solid bounce-back season. Plus, um, Devin Schroeder is playing. Yep, I'd have a, I'd be pretty happy with that. But context is everything, and everyone has struggled to write this ship. And the team has the personnel to be a good defensive team. And you know, it's the team just chooses when and when not to be gritty on defense. Like sometimes they'll just be like, "Oh yeah, we'll we'll all fall on the ball and we'll we'll hustle and whatnot to to try to get this." Like the Marcus Smart type. Oh, let's just dive and try to draw fouls and then sometimes you're just like no like like you said with with Jalen Brown they're, they're just chilling like 
they don't do anything. Mm-hmm. They, it's 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 infuriating because then the teams will just get hot and then right you miss a basket or two and then teams will just put up twelve points on you and let you in a blink of an eye and then at that point now you're now instead of it being a one point game now you're supposed to come back from 10 points and now it's just gonna the ball just keeps rolling and rolling and the snowball keeps getting bigger and you know usually nba teams it takes around like 20 games is sort of like the the threshold to see if like if a team is good or bad yeah um so we can revisit we can revisit the topic in how many games have they played? Seven? Seven games. Uh, we can revisit the, the topic in 13 games to see if this team is actually really bad or just you just struggled off the ship with a, a new coach. But, you know, from the looks of it, this team is a struggle. But, I mean, like a lot of the teams in, in the NBA so far, the Bucks haven't haven't started well. Um, the Suns haven't started well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if it's just like a, you know, you haven't found your groove yet or this team's actually bad. But you know, I'm I'm not gonna I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say maybe they're just starting off slow, just new coach, new scheme. Um, so you know, we'll we'll see how it is in 15 plus games and see if if they're still struggling, then then it might be time to you know to start to to, to start to worry about this team and the and the future that that Imudoka is gonna have with the, his possible franchise players. Couldn't agree more. Definitely interested to see how these upcoming matchups are going to go. We got, like I said, Heat tomorrow night. I know the Mavericks. I don't know if they're having, you know, they have Luka. So, like, we'll see how they do against Luka. And then we have the Bucks and the Raptors. Or Raptors, you know, beat us up last time we played them. So, moving forward, like you said, we need to see if, how they play against these, you know, how these other teams and these other tests that they need to, to go through before they can determine if, like, they're going to make any moves. I know Brad Stevens, you know, the former head coach and now the GM of the Boston Celtics, has said that he's willing to make moves sooner than Danny Ainge did. Right. I don't know if he phrased it like that, but as a fan, I know Danny used to wait till like, last minute to do anything, you know, Trader Danny. But um, I don't want to see them blow this team up because I feel like the roster construction is very strong for, you know, this group. They have depth. They have young guys. They have, a, they have like, cornerstone pieces that they can— use moving forward and i don't want to see them blow that up after like a a rough start but if they can't figure it out then something's going to have to happen and that's when we start to like discuss like all right what is what are they going to do moving forward and i know we're not there yet because it's been seven games but in the upcoming weeks as a you know sports like fan and i guess analyst now that we're running the show is like is this team going to be able to get the job done and they've gotten close in the past and you know, I don't want to see them waste years of Jalen and Jason right. when they could be succeeding. And right, you don't want to look back in like fifteen years, twenty years, and be like, "Oh, they were the Allen Iversons, uh, the Allen Iversons of our our generation." Right, exactly. like they were superstars and they were fantastic, and they you know Potential put up all these me. points and perennial Hall of Famers, perhaps. But you know, they couldn't get the ring. Mm-hmm. They were so close, and they. They couldn't get that championship, and then people will just look at you different, right? Like, would you rather have the same stats, or would you rather have like better stats and no ring, or slightly worse stats and a ring? Like, te- you would rather take the the, the ring, and it'll be used up in conversations, and you don't know if you know with the the era of building super teams and whatnot, you don't know if if Tatum's going to want to join a team with a more organized championship caliber roster you don't know if Jalen brown wants to do that you don't know if both of them want to do that and then you're just stuck you know you, you rebuilt for quite a number of years 
to get into the position that you're in right now, and it's just not panning out. I mean, 2007 was our last, let's say, successful season with yeah. you know the championship, and like, like you said, we traded Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett to the Brooklyn Nets to get these draft picks mm-hmm. that turn into Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum, and like this, there's no rebuild option, right? And like from like 2010 to 2000, well, like. 13 you were atrocious like terrible and then you you got isaiah thomas you slowly get you slowly get better you get the um the what is it the you play like al horford and the hawks in like the first round like when, yep. when they won like 70 games mm-hmm. and like that ridiculous team um so i mean you started to get better you started to get better and now you're like right there you're right on the edge where you're like perennial eastern conference champions where you can just get to the eastern conference finals every year if you have a good season but they haven't been able to take the step to get to the championship, right? It's always up. Oh, Fell apart, shot away. End. It's yeah. fourth quarter LeBron, collapse. Like, it's LeBron. It's 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 Bam Adebayo's block. It's something. It's and yeah. It's, it's wild. Of it and it's, it's just you're right there, and you just haven't been able to capitalize. I I, I agree with you there. I think the Celtics just they need to figure it out yeah. sooner rather than later. Right, they have the pieces to do it. It's just can they do it exactly? Before we wrap up, I want, this is the last segment in regards to the Celtics. Jason Tatum has publicly like talked about him and Bradley Beal wanting to become a, like a teammates, yeah. and I can't stand that right now because you have Jalen Brown, who is quite honestly could be better than anything Bradley Beal. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's much younger. He has more potential, and I just want to go on record saying like, why are you talking about that right now? Like, I know they're like buddies. They grew up together. Like, you know what I mean? They got that family connection, whatever. Like you know what I mean? Just focus on like your superstar wingman you have right now, Jason, and like then you'll be able to succeed with him and whatever. And if it doesn't work out, then maybe they'll blow it up and go sign, you know, sign guys in the off season like Bradley Beal. So anything else you want to add for the Celtics conversation before we wrap it up? No, it's. I mean nothing. Yeah, I unfortunately mean, I like we we, on we flew through topics. They already eleven fifty three, and uh, I'm gonna hit the quote of the day. We're gonna wrap it up. Looking forward to next week's episode which we'll have a lot of games on our belt. Ethan and I uh, determined before the show that our game of the week would be Celtics versus Heat tomorrow yep. night just for the, the impact it might have on you know, the morale of the team and the momentum moving forward. And then obviously there's the game against the Panthers for the Patriots. We decided to uh, make that kind of plan B if you can't get to the mm-hmm. Celtics Heat just because any game right now for the Patriots is important for the, the momentum and the, the record of the team. So those are our two games of the week's. It'll be a good episode next week. I'm going to end with the quote of the day. This is a Michael, Squat, Michael, Michael Scott quote. Would I rather be feared or loved? Easy. Both. I want, to, I want people to be afraid of how much they love me. I forgot to get a quote of the day, so that is a nice classic to fall down on. Michael Scott is quite the character. and uh, I think that's been it for episode five. I know we didn't get to cover a lot today in regards to like all four teams, but Celtics and Bruins are, or Celtics and Patriots right now are our main concern, and it's the most that we can cover on. So we appreciate you listening to us. This has been episode five. Yep. My name is Brennan Kelly. Joined again by Ethan Hurwitz. Getting real good at this. Very exciting. About two more episodes before Thanksgiving break. So uh, make sure to tune in because these next two are going to be real action packed before yeah. we go to break. So appreciate it. Hope you guys have. A great rest of your day.